I don't know where our pastor is, but he's somewhere. <laughs> That's good, right? When you came in, you got a little folder like this, and you'll need this. So if you want to take it out, the middle of this is the passage of Scripture. So page one and page two are just a long passage of Scripture that we're not going to cover in any detail. <laughs> but you'll want to read all of that when you get home. And then page three and page four is a little outline of where we're going this morning, hopefully, okay? Well, it's Christmas, and it's once again on hand. I don't know, um, just six days left, and I'll bet every single one of you has everything decorated in your house already. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised that many of you decorated things in your house right after Thanksgiving. Isn't that amazing how we put this stuff away and then we go get it and we bring it out and we put it out again every single year. This is Christmas. Except I usually refer to this Christmas as Santa Christmas. Because that's kind of really what it is. Just look at what we've got. We've got trees in our house. We've got gifts piling up. We decorate inside. We decorate outside. We send cards. Isn't that amazing? But there's one good thing about this. We finish it every year, put it away, and then we get it out again next year. But I like this idea that they finish it. We finish Christmas, Santa's Christmas, every single year year. That brings me to the whole concept of having chapters in a book. So I did a little research, and this is my favorite Christmas, Santa Christmas book. Some of you may be familiar with this. It was written by Clement Moore in 1822. I got to tell you this, my dad used to read this book to me when I was just a little guy. Every Christmas Eve, he got out this book and read it to me. But you know what was so good? He finished the book. He read everything there was to read in the book. I want to talk about another Christmas story book. It is not the Santa book. It is a Jesus book. Now we all tell the story of the birth of Jesus at Christmas time. And we have angels, and we have shepherds, and we have sheep, and that's all part of our Christmas. That's all part of what I think as chapter one of the Christmas book. What bothers me is that we tell this story of the Christmas book year after year, and we never finish it. And I'm pretty sure we wouldn't finish it this year either. So I want to share some thoughts with you. We don't get past chapter 1 and chapter 2 in the Jesus storybook. It's not that we don't know there's more story there. We just don't finish it, not completely. So today, I want to finish the story. This Christmas is going to include the finishing of the story. We're going to take a quick trip. There are many chapters in the Jesus storybook, and I'm just, I've just inadvertently picked out 11 chapters. I made that up. You can have any number of chapters you want, but I got 11. 
and I thought we'd go through it. These are all things that you know. These are just reminders of what we go through or what we should go through every Christmas, every Christmas in the Jesus book. Chapter 1 is the birth of a baby. We all know that. We're all aware of it. It's in Luke chapter 2. Chapter 2 in our Jesus book is when the Magi comes. They come to see this baby that's been born. And frankly, that's pretty much where we end it. But there's a whole lot more, many more chapters yet in this book. Chapter 3, Jesus appears as an adult with another man. His name is John the Baptist. This man, John the Baptist, says of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then we have chapter 4. Jesus starts inviting people to follow him. He picks 12. Do we realize that out of that 12 come enough people to change the world? Because they did. In chapter 5, there is the story of Jesus now proclaiming his message. His message is, the kingdom of God is now. That's Matthew chapter 6. In chapter 6, conflicts begin with the Pharisees. They don't like Jesus. In chapter 7, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. A Messiah for Israel would come that way. Chapter 8, Jesus is crucified. His life ended. But the story does not end there. Chapter 9 is his resurrection. Now this got to be the end of the story. But it is not. Chapter 10, he sends his disciples out into the world to tell the message of the kingdom of God. And we might certainly want to say, well, that's the end of it, that's the last chapter. But it is not. There is one more chapter, often neglected, in the Jesus Christmas book. Now, don't misunderstand me. I love Christmas. I love Santa Claus. I like the ideas of decorating. My house is decorated just like yours, so don't get upset with me. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the joy that comes from the Santa Christmas book. But I want you to pause for just, just a moment. With our mindset on the Santa Christmas does Jesus really have anything to say to that? All we get is a heavy-set, bearded guy in a red suit, and that has nothing to do with our Christmas story. Do you know this is not even a celebration of Jesus' birth? Nobody knows when Jesus was born. And do you understand that the early church in the first hundred years would never have celebrated Jesus' birth? It was pagan to observe a person's birth date. The first couple of hundred years, you would never have found any trees, no trains, no lights, and no gifts. What have we done? I want to take a look at the last chapter of the Jesus Christmas book. This is chapter 11. This is something for you to think about for the next six days. Something we usually don't think about. The chapter is about the return of Jesus. 
You see, Jesus said he was coming again. And the story is not over until that takes place. In 1970, Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote a song. It was very popular, and I happened to like it. It goes like this. Oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his voice I see. The king is coming. The king is coming. Where in the world did the Gaithers ever get the idea that Jesus was coming? Well, they got it out of a book in our Bible, chapter 11 book. You see, the disciples asked that very question. When are you coming? In Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? When will we know that Jesus is about to to return. And the answer is found in Matthew chapter 24 from verses 3 all the way through the end of the chapter 44. You can read them all later. We're just going to look at three things in that whole mix of things. There is no question that some of the events that we recognize as having already been accomplished in that list has taken place. We also look around us and we say, you know, things are very strange. It looks like some things in that whole long list might, might actually going to be happen soon. But we're not certain when Jesus is coming back. So I want to look at three statements. Three statements from that Matthew 24 passage. You ready for this? Part of the answer. When are you coming back, Jesus? first thing is that there are some words listed in this long listing, and the first word we got to understand is something called the last generation. Matthew chapter 24, verse 34, Jesus said this, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things, all the things that are written in Matthew chapter 24, this will not pass away. Some generation will not pass away until Jesus returns. First of all, we've got to establish how long a generation is. And if you know, you tell me afterward because I don't know. <laughs> Some people say, well, it goes back to Psalm 90, verse 10. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason 80. But that's no good anymore. I mean, I'm older than that. It does not say what a generation is. So maybe we should consider a generation a little longer than 80 or 90. I'm willing to go to 100. That makes sense to me. The generation who will see these things take place will not live more than 100 years until Jesus returns. Think about that for a minute. The second thing that is found in Matthew chapter 24 is a sign called the fig tree sign. This is what it says in Matthew 24, 32. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you will know that summer is near. When you see all these things, 
you know that he is near at the very gates. This is kind of a strange statement that I have trouble understanding. I mean, fig trees blossom the same every year. Just every year you get a new fig tree and then it dies and next comes out the next year. What does he mean? A generation of people will see this fig tree blossom. Some have said that that fig tree is a symbol of the nation of Israel. And that's a reasonable assumption because there are numerous references in the Old Testament about Israel being called a fig tree. Many of us have been a generation who have seen something miraculous take place. Do you know that? In 1948, Israel was declared a nation once again. Some have suggested that we may be the generation of the fig tree blossoming. Please, not everybody agrees with that. <laughs> Think about it. It sounds like Jesus was saying that when you see the fig tree blossom, the generation that sees that happen should prepare for his coming within the next 80 to 100 years. We're at 73 now, give or take when you start counting. In that the case, we might be very close to the fulfillment of the last part of the book of Jesus coming again. Well, there's just one more thing that can confuse us in all of this. There is something else called the abomination of desolation. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, Jesus said this to them, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, the abomination of desolation. I don't even know what those words mean. I looked them up just to see what would be equals to them in, in English. The, these words mean something very bad, something destructive, something loathsome, something despicable. Something's going to happen at the end that is just awful. And it could be, or could it? be a temple in Jerusalem? I give you a little story, a little history. According to Jewish tradition and the scripture, the first temple, the worship place of all Jews, was built by King Solomon, the son of King David, 957 before Christ. It was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 BC. It was said that an emperor sacrificed a pig on the altar. An abomination of desolation. So said Daniel 11, chapter 31. The second temple was then constructed by Zerubbabel in 516 BC. And it was destroyed by the Roman Empire in 70 AC after Christ. There has been no temple in Jerusalem for all these years. There has been no sacrifice for over a thousand years. Is it possible 
that the nation of Israel was restored in 1948 so that there could be a temple again in the future? I don't need to tell you that if Israel had its way, they would build another temple. They wouldn't build another temple quite openly at this particular time or there would be out-and-out -out war, and everyone knows that. But it's possible, remotely, anything is possible that some government officials worldwide could bring together enemies and somehow, somehow allow the building of a, of a temple for, for Israel. It could happen. Or maybe we're just never going to see that rebuilt temple and Jesus is not coming back, not according to this, anytime soon. Except for a book I picked up several years ago. It was written in 2014 by a guy by the name of Robert Cornock. The title of the book is Temple. He spent years in Israel researching, talking, finding. His research led him to believe that there could be another temple being built right now in secret, unknown to anyone. The interesting part to me is that I've heard others starting to say the same thing. If these are the words of Jesus and they say we're part of the generation, then Jesus' return may be much closer than we ever anticipated. Look, no dates are given by Jesus for his return. Please, please, don't give it a date. As a matter of fact, he made it clear that no one knows the time or the day. Just be alert. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And in verse 36, he said it again. No one knows. The last chapter of the Christmas story of Jesus may be much closer to reality than we have expected. Is that possible? An interesting new way to look at the next six days to Christmas. The real Christmas story ends with the return of Jesus. The story's not over until Jesus returns. And there are many voices out there saying, I don't know, but I do ponder over what I read as God's word, and especially as I watch most unusual things happening in a world around me today. I just threw all this out so you have something to think about <laughs> while you finish preparing all the Santa Claus Christmas stuff. And then I want to tell you a story. Added to the COVID-19 new experience, and we all have had experience with that, I had a new experience in the month of August this past year. As a matter of fact, the experience in August is what prompted me to reread the last book of the Jesus Christmas. We were hearing all about fires in California and some around us. You all remember this back in August? 
One day, we got a warning, an alert, said that there was a fire near us. Well, we live on Five Mile Prairie on the North Ridge. There is nothing below where we live except woods and a fish hatchery and a little Spokane River. So I'm, I'm pretty safe. Then begins, after the Spokane River, right outside our window, another mountain that's a little bit higher than the one we live on on Five Mile. We call it Rattlesnake Mountain. I don't know what its name is. The alert was about a fire on the other side, way on the other side of Rattlesnake Mountain. It's no problem to me. It was no problem to me until it started getting dark at night and we saw flames coming up over the top of the mountain across from us. And we said, oh, <laughs> we ought to do something about this. What do you do if you think everything is coming to a colossal close? Well, we said, we better find out what we need to take. We got to gather all the things we need to take. We got to find our passport and put it somewhere where we can get it. We got to find our driver's license, make sure it goes with us. How about all of our insurance papers? We got to take this, we got to take that. We started gathering it together, putting it in cans. We put, and pretty soon we had a whole place already filled to go and a big tag up. Take these things when this happens. Well, then it went out. Flame never came over our side. But you know, there's something to be said about being prepared, isn't there? Am I close to what Jesus said would be his return? Am I ready for Jesus to return? Have I even given any thoughts to his return? See, Jesus is about to surrender from me by faith to him. Have I done that? Maybe I've gotten a little sloppy, a little sloppy with my lifestyle. Maybe I need a little re-up. Have I actually replaced the Jesus story with Santa just a little too much? I invite you to close your eyes with me just for a minute. Just a minute to make sure I'm good to go with Jesus should he come now. And may the next six days, may they be the most blessed you've had for a while. In silence, before him, Ask him. And hopefully all of God's people say amen. Yeah. Maybe there's someone you know who needs to know Jesus. Why don't you pray for this person this week and ask God to show you if a conversation about the real Christmas story 
might be helpful. May Merry Christmas take on a new meaning this year. Jim, come and be